Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Listen anytime you miss a service or want to hear a message again from our Sunday worship services and select special services. Lead Pastor Brian Bauer, as well as guest speakers, will bring messages that will help you encounter God, love people. Join us for virtual service on Facebook Live at Encounter Thrive. Or for those comfortable, we'd love to have you for our in-person services Sundays at 10. To learn about us, what we believe, how to connect, how to give, or how to find us, visit the all-new EncounterThrive.com. And now, here is our message. Mother's Day. We're celebrating Mother's Day. And, and um, I just want to take a moment to just, to just acknowledge those that, 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 for many of us, it's a wonderful day. It's a day to celebrate. Um, but the truth is, not everybody celebrates today. Um, because sometimes people are hurting. Sometimes someone is longing for a child. And it, it hasn't come to pass yet. And there are people who have lost a mom. And so today's a day that you may be happy, but you may also be grieving, or you may just be grieving. And uh, we've lost a child. Maybe you've lost a child. And, then, and that, that's a deep pain that there are, are few that, that can compare. So I just want you to know that you're cured about today. We love you in this place. And if your heart's heavy for any reason at all, we want to invite you, come pray with us. Even though this is a celebration day, we still care. We care about you here at Thrive. And so um, the joy and the pain, we kind of have to learn how to, how to walk together with those in life. And that's what Mother's Day is kind of all about, the struggle and the celebrations. And, and I think of, uh, without revealing who, we, who he was, I know he wasn't one of the girls, but I think of this time I had, I had a couple toddler boys, and we were living in northern Wisconsin, my husband was an associate pastor up there, and I had gotten some rare moments where they were just kind of like occupied, safe, happy, in front of the television. Yeah, I, I used that, all right? I used that. I didn't have a lot of, I didn't have grandmas and grandpas nearby. Anyway, I was like scrapbooking or cleaning in the next room. I can't remember. I think I was scrapbooking though. I remember a feeling of peace and like I had this, my own time. I go to check on the boys, right? And I see one of them doing this. And I had left the peanut butter out on the island. And the entire jar was finger painted all over the carpet. It was great. It was not great. And I was just like, ah, why? You know, and it took hours to clean that. And it was peanut butter, you guys into the light beige-ish white carpet that was in the house that we had bought. Anyway, I got it out before Brian had come home, um, but it, it was not a joyful parenting moment. <laughs> um, but then there's the first steps, right? And you're like, ah! And the first words, and, and the first time they share with you that they memorize scripture. That's like a special moment for me when my kid's like, guess what I did? I know this and it's like, ah, you know, it's just awesome. But, and what is it about the miracle of birth? I don't, I'm not quite sure because like now I think back and I'm like, I never want to give birth ever again. Like ever. The pain, the misery, it's all right. It's right there. I can, I can bring it up in a second. But something about after Colin, like there was this, this eclipse like three days later, I was like, I don't want to do it again tomorrow, but I could do it again. I could do it again. I didn't 
feel that way after the third one. I was like, I don't want to do it again. I don't want to do it again. It's horrible. You know, and, and I, I don't, you know, I, I don't know. I, it's, it's ugly. But obviously the rewards are, are so great. You know, and, and I have a hot husband, and I find him extremely attractive, and he can't, you know, we can't keep our hands off each other. So we have, we have five children plus one who's in heaven. And um, I, I just, we don't post the ugly moments of motherhood on Facebook, but they're there. And um, these littles, they... They're, they're amazing, right? You know, even when they pee in your face, then you laugh about it later, right? But, I mean, I don't know. Do you forget the taste, Brian? I mean, it happened to you at least three times. Like, three boys perfected the rainbow. Um, but they, then these little ones, they grow into adults, and they experience bullying, and we have to walk through it with them, and they can experience trauma, and now they have to figure out how to identify themselves by their sexuality. Some of them face those pressures each and every day. And teens today are walking through anxiety and pressure and a pandemic. And some have thrived in this pandemic. Some are like, being home is the best. And they got a part-time job and they're making hundreds of dollars in the afternoons. And other kids are at home and they're like, this is the worst thing. And there are, we know a family that we've been praying with, and, and, and they have a child who's been on the brink of suicide and can't get a counseling appointment for four months, July 3rd. And they've been waiting and waiting and waiting. And, and we walk through all these things with our children. But then there's the moments you hear them telling the neighbor kids about Jesus. And you're like, you know, this is awesome. And they make the soccer team or, or they get the solo in the choir. And then, and then if, if you're as old as I am, they're graduating high school, right? A story touched my heart this week. There's these, these two little girls in our church, and they went with their mom on the National Day of Prayer to their public school to pray, and nobody else showed up. But they prayed anyway, and then she had to walk her girls through, like, what that means, and, and maybe feelings of, like, that, but then I felt weird. I can't believe nobody else showed up. Right? And so the joy that your kids are being bold and brave with their faith, and then the sorrow that you have, that you have to walk out with them. Right? And this is motherhood. All the challenges and the painful things in our lives, and, and yet God takes it and he turns it for good. And, and we have no choice as moms but to walk through the ugly and the painful all at the same time. And so one of our greatest challenges is to find the beauty and pour it out. And so before I get into our text today, let me just, let me just kind of set the scene a little bit, okay? Um, we are, we're going from Luke 7, and Jesus has been invited by this notorious Pharisee, Simon, for dinner. And uh, 
the Pharisees, if you, if you don't know, the Pharisees were like, they were well respected. They were the keepers of the law, right? I mean, I'm guessing that to a certain extent, it would have been a little bit like meeting great leaders of our time, maybe even great politicians, right? Like, oh, you know, ha, you know, and so Jesus is invited by him um, into his house for dinner, and we don't we don't fully know why Simon invites him because, as you'll see in the story, he doesn't really seem to be a really big fan of Jesus. Um, and we don't know why exactly. Maybe he's trying to trap him. Maybe he's trying to gain favor with him. Um, but then this woman shows up. And so um, Luke 7, and we're starting in verse 36. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet, she began weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears And then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. And I love this because... Jesus answers him. Simon didn't even say it out loud, but he says, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You've judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turns toward the woman, but says to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. And then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus says to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So there's two perspectives in this story, and, and I just want to contrast a little bit the perspective of Simon and the woman who is here, unnamed, but identified by one thing, her sins. Can you imagine being looked at by your culture or by your community and being identified as the woman who had sinned a lot? Really, being identified by all the worst things that you had ever done. So Jesus was invited into Simon's house, right? 
He's invited into Simon's house. And in that day, okay, there were common courtesies. Just like there are if I invite you to my house, right? I'm probably going to give you a hug. You all know that, right? I'm a hugger. Um, I'm probably going to give you a hug and say hello, and I'm so glad you came, and we might sit and chat for a little bit, and I'll probably offer you a glass of water or a cup of coffee. Um, If you need to go to the bathroom, I'll show you where it is, right? There's common courtesies that we extend. Well, in that day, a common courtesy, because they wore sandals and their feet were dirty, right? They had dirt roads, not paved roads, so that it was inevitable that their feet would just be kind of filthy, right? They would be offered water to refresh their feet, to clean them off, and they would be, um, they, they would be greeted maybe with a holy kiss, okay? I won't greet you with a kiss if you come to my house. I will hug you. I won't greet you with a kiss, but they greeted each other with a holy kiss, okay? They would as, as a as gesture of courtesy, they would anoint their head with some olive oil. Um, these were signs of respect. Again, remember, it says that Jesus was invited by the Pharisee. If you just show up at my house, I might be in my bathrobe. I probably won't invite you in, and I may or may not give you a hug, all right? It just all depends if you're dropping off something you borrowed or you're just stopping by to, you know, hey, I have this. Can you give it to Pastor Brian? I'm still going to smile. I'll be happy you're there, right? But it's not the same. Jesus was invited to the Pharisee's house. So I don't really see any reason why Simon wouldn't show him common courtesies and gestures Jesus tells us that Simon, he tells us, the Pharisee, he was a religious leader trained in that day. Don't you think he would have been trained in common social graces too? Like there's no way, I'm sorry, there's no excuse for Simon. There's no excuse. (laughs) But he says, I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss. But this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Simon shows no gratefulness for having Jesus with him in his house. Simon was immediately critical of Jesus and his response to the sinner. He showed him no honor. As a Messiah, he may not have fully understood, right? Probably not. Jesus' own followers didn't fully understand he was a Messiah. But he does respond to him and say, yes, teacher. So there was a level of respect. He called him teacher, right? But he didn't even show him respect that way. In fact, he didn't show him the common courtesies simply as a guest in his home. But this woman... had the heart of a follower. And Simon didn't need to identify as a Pharisee. But he did have the heart of a Pharisee. And that's what he poured out. But what came out of this woman was altogether different. And I want you to consider as we walk through this today, where is your heart today? Do you have the heart of a Pharisee or do you have the heart of a follower? She came ready. She came, it says she came to the house with a jar of oil or perfume. 
right? She came ready. She came expecting something. She came ready to pour it out. Her tears flow, and we see her emotion and her passion. And I think these tears are symbolic of of the depths of her heart and how she felt about Jesus. And I don't know everything about her. And there's lots of speculation about who exactly this woman is. But I am deliberately not going there today. I am deliberately not digging into that part of theology. But because we can see just from this passage that she wanted to pour out everything she had. Her tears are used to cleanse Jesus' feet. I don't think she fully understood who he was either. I don't think Simon did. But I think there was a level of supernatural knowledge. There was something that grabbed hold of her, and God touched her with this great faith that allowed her, that pushed her to pour this out. And so where do you spend your emotions? And where do you spend your passions? Where do we pour them out each day? What moves and motivates us? It might be your career. That makes sense. It should to a certain extent. If that's what God has called you to. If, if, you're, if you are at home with your kids, you should be pouring out there. Right? And if you're doing both, you have a hard job. But you're called to pour out in both places. But what grabs you and what motivates you? Is it the balance total in your bank account when you check it? Because I'll be honest, I feel a little better when it's a little up than when it's a little down. I think everyone kind of has that threshold. When it gets up above a certain number, you feel a little more security, right? And when it gets below a certain number, you feel a little more stressed. Are you mostly concerned about that? Are you concerned about your children and their success? You know what, as moms, I think it's a natural bent that we have to be concerned about our kids. We are nurturers, right? And so we have a tendency where our lives can even move to revolve around our kids. Don't take this to an extreme, but I think it's important to be said. Our lives can revolve around our kids and not revolve around Christ. When our lives start to revolve around our kids, they start to get entitled. If our, if our kids see our lives revolve around them, guess what? They're going to worship you or themselves. Right? I know some moms or I know some children who they just think their mom is everything. And it might be healthy, but in a lot of cases, it's not. Here's the deal. I don't want my kids to worship me. And I certainly don't want them to worship themselves. I want them to worship Jesus. And so I pray that my life is a life poured out. That my emotions and that the things that motivate me and move me, that those things are more towards Christ than anything else. I want them, I don't want them to look back and say, I see all the things that my mom did for me. I want them to look and say, I see where Jesus moved in my life. 
And I hope I'm part of that. I hope I'm pushing them in the right direction. I hope that I'm encouraging them in the things of God each and every day. I have a, a great memory of um, the same kid who's responsible for the peanut butter. <laughs> but he was saving up. They had asked for a wee. And he was saving up for a wee with his own money. And it took a long time, probably over a, a year. Does that sound right? I think it was over a year. And... Um, he had saved up, and I was really proud of him. That's a great thing for kids to learn at a young age, to have to save up their money for something expensive that they want. It helps them determine if they really want it or not, and it teaches them value. It teaches them the value of that thing as well as the, the ethic of hard work, right? And um, he comes to me, I think he was around 10, and uh, he says, he's got this wad of money. <laughs> And he says, I want to I wanna give this money. I heard about these orphans in Mexico who don't have water, and I want to give it. And I'm just going to be real with you in that my initial response was, I don't want him to give all that money. I want him to see the rewards of his, of his hard work. But I'm also really grateful that a really godly response came to me, and that didn't come out of my mouth. As a mom, my, my heart welled up. Because what I realized was he caught the vision for something that was much greater than himself. And I had to encourage that, even if, even if it meant he didn't grab the value of hard work, maybe. There was a greater value for him to grasp hold of. That was a good thing. That was a good value. But this was better. And that kid has gone on to astound me over and over. He has the same heart today, and, and he is, he's just not driven by material things. And I really love that about him. And it has encouraged me over and over. As a mom, let your kids encourage you. And when they serve Jesus, cheer them on. Um, Simon, Simon says to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Simon looks at this woman as a nothing and a nobody. How often are we concerned about our outward person, right? How we are perceived by others. Well, let me ask you a question. Did you think about what you should wear today? Or did you just close your eyes and go into your closet and take it out? I thought about what I wore today. I was thinking I want to be comfortable. I want to be appropriate, right? I think I'm going to wear my heels. And then later I was like, you know what? I, don't, I love these people and they love me, so I'm wearing my flat. Um, <laughs> there just doesn't need to be any pretense, right? Nobody's upset at me because I'm not wearing my heels. 
But we all think about how we'll be perceived by others. Maybe it's because we want to receive the love and approval of, of someone else. And, and this woman certainly could have had every desire at that moment to seek the approval of her community. Simon was there. He was the Pharisee, right? He was the respected one, almost a, an elite, almost a higher class. And, and yet she just lays herself bare. She seeks the audience of one, the only one that really matters. And after her tears have wet his feet, she takes her hair, right? That outward beauty. I'm sure she thought about how her hair looked that day before she went to this dinner. But she takes her outward beauty and she bows down to this lowest part of Jesus, the filthiest part. Because remember, Simon hadn't given him any water, right? But after she wets his feet with her tears, she takes the beauty of her hair and without even thinking, or, or maybe she did, I, I don't know, but, but she wipes her hair this beautiful part of herself, and wipes the dirt from the feet of Jesus with the dirtiest part of herself. She gives him the most beautiful part of hers. She cares more for Jesus than for how she will look when she stands back up or what everyone at that table is going to think of her gift. How often does fear of others hold you back from giving it all? How often does fear of, of that lower balance in your bank account keep you from giving to help someone in need or being obedient to what God's spoken to you? How often does fear of what your husband or wife might think of you keep you from following Jesus? Maybe... You want to lead your kids and your wife to Jesus. Maybe you want to worship them or lead a devotion or read scripture, but you're afraid of what they'll think because you haven't done it all these years or you didn't do it last week, right? Or maybe you've messed it up in the past and you, or you're worried you're not going to sound as good as Pastor Brian. <laughs> do it anyway. <laughs> do it anyway. What about at work? Maybe you're afraid to pray for your coworker. That's how we pour out Jesus to those around us. You know, I, you can't let the fear of others hold you back from pouring out your worship. And let me, just, let me just be real for just a moment, okay? Here's the deal. When I come here on a Sunday morning, I don't care what you think of my worship. Some days I might be... Less emotional than others. And other days, I might be a mess. And today, I was just thinking, please, God, don't let me cry all my makeup off before I go up there because I don't want to look like a raccoon. But even then, here's the deal. You weren't there when I was a teenager and my parents split up. You weren't there when I was a kid and I was with them praying to the God I barely even really knew, asking for safety because they were driving drunk 30 minutes home from my aunt's house. And, and you weren't there when a dear friend cut me off. 
and you weren't there when I was be- felt betrayed, and, and, you, and you weren't there when my sister died when I was in high school, and I felt like I had nobody to walk it through with. And when my three-month-old son passed away, and I thought my world was crashing down, and I thought I could, could not possibly keep going, you weren't there. Jesus was there in every one of those moments, even the ones before I knew him. So he'll, he's the one who I'm going to be concerned about. Um, he's the one that, that gets my devotion. He's the one that gets all of my emotions. I'm not going to worry what you think about when I lift up my hands or if I drop to my knees because I'm grateful because of what God has done. This woman moves on to pour out a perfume, and in fact, it's, it's been stored. The fact that it was stored in this alabaster container, it tells us it was of great worth. It was of immense worth. The truth is, it might have been all she had of worth. And so not only does she pour out all of her passions and her heart and her affections and her reputation sacrificing what others might think of her, but now she pours out what's likely her greatest treasure, her financial security. And I don't... I, I know, I can, I've, we've read a lot of marriage books. It's something we've chosen to do because we know that we need to invest into our marriage all the time. But a running through theme in there is what does a woman value? She values security. It helps her. And ultimately, we need to change. We need to not have our security be in our husband or his career or my career. Our security comes from Jesus and him alone. But she wasn't living in a time when it seemed like the future was bright and full of shining possibilities. And I know for many of you, The world seems like a scary place right now. We still don't know when things are going to open up, and we don't know if the friendships are going to come back, and we don't know if family members will be okay. And we worry about their health, and we worry about their safety, and we worry about our relationships. But as much as it can feel void of a bright future, for us, it was the same for her. She was living in a, a world of, of, of Jewish and Roman culture, and they clashed all the time. There was political unrest. There was, there was racial issues that pervaded their culture, oppression. There was religious persecution. And I think she could have easily reasoned herself out of giving this gift to Jesus. Don't you? What about me? What if I have to run away? You know, what if this? What about that? She could have kept it for the what ifs. 
But instead, she chose something bigger than herself, and she chooses hope, and she chooses a future, and she chooses faith. And you know what? She puts her mind on a heavenly perspective rather than an earthly one. And when we say we are not a people that live in fear, but we are going to walk in faith, that's what we're talking about. Because every one of us has faced the fear of death in this past year plus. Every one of us has had to maybe face it with a family member or even watched a family member or a friend walk through COVID. And maybe they passed away. But we've had to decide, am I living for this life or am I living for the next one? Because every one of us will die, whether it's COVID or not. I think sometimes we think, if we just do everything right, I won't die. If we just do everything right, my, my kid will, will make all the right choices. But that's not life. She chose faith and not fear. And she chose an eternal perspective and not an immediate one. She pours out this ointment that's so valuable, right? It's so large, it offended the Pharisee. Can you imagine, can you imagine if, if I give Brian an extravagant gift and you all get angry? I give him such a big gift, such an amazing birthday, a party and a brand new car and, 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 uh, and, and, and leather shoes and a, a Rolex watch and all the things, right? And you're offended. How dare she lavish her love on her husband like that? That's how Simon acts. How could you be offended because someone else is blessed by a beautiful gift? Her blatant generosity offends his righteous position. I love that in verses 37 and 38, there's two words Christ uses, one for oil and one for perfume. And in that original language, liquid ointment is used, and there's a connotation to it being fine and costly. And that's what she used, okay? She has anointed my feet. He, he, Christ basically says to Simon, okay, you didn't anoint my head, the nobler part, okay? My clean head, right? The just common courtesy, dab some oil on there. You didn't do that. But she goes out of her way to anoint my feet with oil, with an expensive, generous gift on like the dirtiest, most disgusting part of my body. She lifts a new banner to what worship and following Jesus should be like. I need two teenagers. Pretty please. One of my kids is shrinking down in his seat. Two teenagers, help me out. Come on, don't leave me hanging. All I need you to do is drink a glass of water. It's not hard. Thank you, Colin. Thank you. All right. Awesome. You go here. Come here. You come here. All right. So we have here a picture, and we have a picture here, right? And one looks really nice, and one doesn't so much. I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry, sweetie. Can you go ahead and pour yourselves each a glass of water and just go ahead and drink that? You can sit down. (laughs) She would have been safe. Here's the deal. Right? This, This woman maybe looked so ugly on the outside. And that's what everybody thought of her. But what came pouring out of her was beautiful and refreshing. And Simon looked clean. And just like he should, pristine, he had his life together. His past hadn't muddied up everything on the outside. But look what came pouring out of him. Beautiful packaging can be enticing, but it's what's inside that counts. And we all know that. Whatever your past is whatever you think of yourself or whatever others think of you, I just want to remind you, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what your ex-spouse says about you. It doesn't matter the terrible thing that you did that it feels like you just can't escape from it. The words you spoke that crushed someone else or the words that were spoken over you that made you give up on people or give up on, or give up on dreams. Your past doesn't define you. Only the worship that you pour out on Jesus and on his people, that is the only thing that should ever define you. So what are you pouring out today? Our entire lives are to be about worship and pouring him out. And we've got to get near him in order to fill up with the right things. Because if we're not close to Jesus, then we end up filled up with this. And so it's really simple. I don't feel like I have to belabor these points. The verses are all in the Bible, but I think for most of us, the truth is we know what to do. We need to worship and pray and read our Bibles. And we need to be with other believers because here's the deal. You can't live out three quarters of the New Testament unless you're in fellowship with the body of Christ. There aren't a thousand commands in the New Testament to go to church or to be in fellowship. But you want to know what? Really, 75% of the New Testament, you can't live it out if you're not doing life with the family of God. So read your Bible, spend time with other believers, worship and pray. And that'll help determine if we pour out life or we pour out destruction. We have four areas that, that we can easily pour out of. We've got our time, we've got our treasure, our talents, and our tongues. And when it comes to your time, if God were to look at your calendar, if you were to allow Jesus to peek in on your daily life, what would it look like? Are you pouring out in the right areas? And are you pouring out the right things? If you're at work, if you spend the majority of your week at work, that's okay because that might be what God has called you to. But are you pouring out Jesus there? Are you looking for opportunities to tell people who don't know him about the great love that God has for them? Are you giving it your all? Do you look like Jesus? Or are you, you know, doing it halfway? Your treasure, how about that bank account? If Jesus were to look at it, 
item by item by item, hopefully he sees responsibility, hard work, commitment, right? When we've committed to things, we should pay them. Hopefully he sees it filled with earmarks of generosity, of opportunities that you've taken to help and give to others. Even the poorest people in America are still among the richest 5% in the entire world. And yes, I do remind, I'm, I'm not the poorest in America, but I'm just telling you, when my bank account gets below that number that makes me feel secure, that's something I remind myself. I am still accountable to be generous. Are you giving? Are you trusting the Lord and obeying him and what he has set forth in his word and tithe? Have you added to that offerings and, again, helping other believers? And I know almost every one of you does. Talents. God has given you talents and giftings and abilities. Are you pouring them out? Can you teach? Do you have a heart for kids? Do you want them to know Jesus? Do you want the next generation to know Jesus? Because I'm going to tell you something. Just about every church in America struggles to fill the nursery with workers and to fill the children's church with workers. And we wonder why the next generation has fewer Christ followers than the last. So I pray. I pray that we'll take the opportunity that when our turn comes up, we say, God, help me to be poured out. Even if I'm now with nine toddlers instead of just my one. (laughs) Maybe you're able to build and construct just about anything. Maybe you can clean and organize. And maybe your smile and love warms the hearts of many. Listen, there is a place for you to pour out in your family of Christ right here. And there are places for you to pour out in your community and in your life. And every one of them is significant. And we pour those things out as unto Jesus. I ask my kids sometimes when I see the floor and that it was mopped, did you do this as unto the Lord? I don't think so. Just kidding. (laughs) Sometimes it looks that way. Sometimes not so much. And our tongues. The power of life and death is in the tongue. And a harsh tongue can crush a heart. Especially a child's heart. And so this is for all of us, but just getting really real, I have made that mistake of crushing my kids' hearts with my words. And my prayer, if if that's happened to you, if you didn't apologize to them, that at some point God will give you an opportunity to do that. But my prayer is that there will be far more words that flow from our mouths that give life, that pour out life onto our kids than that which pour out death. Our tongues can build up a heart that's been crushed, can lift a nation from the depths of despair, and give hope to the weary. And the power of the tongue can enslave and imprison or offer forgiveness and freedom. What we fill ourselves with will also help determine what comes out of our mouths. Right? And I'm going to say this because I, I know so many believers on on both sides that struggle, but the media, and I don't care what media you listen to, okay, it's about crushing lives and canceling futures and defining people by what they've done in their past. And all I can see from any media outlet that I listen to, truthfully, is that their message is once a sinner, always a sinner. 
They decide what sins are overlooked and which ones should be spotlighted. They're judge and jury. But sin is sin, and every one of us needs to repent, and every one of us needs to walk in forgiveness. Politics can easily become an idol. And for the media and us, if we immerse ourselves in it, it can become a god. Division, disagreement, and discontent can become our religion. And we were never meant to pour that out. So if you wrestle with those things, or you wrestle with any of the things that we've talked about, what are you putting in? Because we are called to pour out Jesus. We operate in the opposite spirit of the world. We believe in Jesus, the Christ that died for us, that he gives us the hope, that he gives us the future, that he forgave us and our sins, and that he takes us from sinner to saint. We shouldn't be speaking a language of hopelessness, not even in the time of COVID. Not even if somehow COVID were to take every member of my family. Not even then. Somehow I pray that I maybe prostrate on the floor, bawling my eyes out, would find a way to say, but God. Our ultimate hope isn't in this whisper of a life, but in the eternity of the next. And so I just want to encourage you, let's speak life into our families. Let's crush the idols of this culture that so easily come and grasp hold of us. Listen, as women, we wield tremendous influence over the atmosphere in our homes. The truth is, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, can be really sad, but very true. If joy isn't in my home, I know that sometimes I can look at my family and I can point all at them, but look at all the fingers pointing back at me. And it's true. We live in a culture that criticizes men and ridicules and makes fun of them. And as a wife who's had my own moments where I've made nasty side comments, and I'm sorry, I don't want to walk in that spirit. I want to pour out praise on my husband. I want to tell him when he's doing a great job. And when your husband steps up to volunteer at church or go help another family, you cheer him on. Don't be like, what about me and my needs? Man, there's a single mom over there that he might be willing to go help with a whole bunch of other guys. And what about you and your needs? You can live for a few hours. And when he leads the family in worship, don't criticize the song he picked out. Or anything else, pour out honor. And when he shares a devotion, even if he does it badly, find everything that was good about it, or he might not do it again. Pour out respect. He may not lead well the first time or the tenth time, but if he's trying, he is bound to get better and better and better. And I am so grateful to have a man who steps up and leads us as a family. Not perfectly, but prayerfully and patiently and consistently. And when we miss a day, he doesn't say, well, forget it. No more prayer for us. He leads my kids into grace and forgiveness. And that's when, I, when we see our husbands doing that, when we see them stepping up, point it out. Thank him. Tell him you're grateful for him. Don't pour out respect because he's walking the path perfectly, but because he keeps walking no matter the roadblocks and the trials that he comes up against each and every day. 
The constant criticism of men is not healthy for women or children. Find something worthy of encouragement and pour it into him. Pour into your kids. Every day, take a few minutes. Tell them things that you love about them. Tell them what they did well. It is inevitable that we will have to correct our kids almost each and every day. That's part of our role. But we can do it with love. And we can do it with gentleness. And when we screw up because we screamed at the top of our lungs, we can teach them repentance and forgiveness. Because it's our job to walk in both sorrow and beauty. Read scriptures to them and share Bible stories with them and immerse them in worship music. Read about missionaries and people who have laid down their lives for the sake of the kingdom. This is our call. Our call is to pour out goodness and beauty, to think on the things that are noble and praiseworthy. We are called to bring our kids to church and bring the church family into our homes. Listen, if you haven't invited another church family into your home in the past year, I'm going to ask you gently, ask the Lord why not, and get to it. We are called to be the family of God. We come here and we celebrate all that God has done all throughout the week. But we pour him out each and every day. Remind your kids who God is and pour out how much he loves them and loves the world. And as we pour out our hearts to Jesus and our passions and our talents and our praise to him and believers, what did he do at the end of the story? He pours right back out under her. He says, your sins are forgiven. Not only that, he says, go in peace. What are you pouring out today? Some people want to be around critics, but I'd rather be around worshipers. Are you pouring out persecution or are you pouring out praise? Are you pouring out honor or dishonor? I may never be able to perfectly pour this out. I can surely get away from this. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. We hope this message spoke to you and helped you grow in your knowledge of and love for God. Visit us online anytime at EncounterThrive.com and reach out with questions, prayer requests, or comments. We hope to see you for our in-person services in Lockport, Illinois, Sundays at 10.